Welcome back to the Editor Stack podcast. I'm your host, Fabian Allerfeld, and today we have an incredible story of transformation and of innovation. See, in additive manufacturing, we mainly talk about productivity, we talk about materials and properties, laser power, but we rarely talk about the lives that we can change as an industry throughout this innovative technology. And that's why I'm very excited that today we're joined by a Princess Mashwana, whose life was forever changed by a violent act, but restored through the marvels of additive manufacturing. And we're joined by Dr. Giri Boysen, who is a leading figure in additive manufacturing and the director of the Center for Rapid Prototyping and Manufacturing at the Central University of Technology in South Africa. Together, they'll share a journey of recovery and the groundbreaking advancements in medical additive manufacturing. So let's dive into this great story and hear from Princess and Gary how they were forged together through additive manufacturing. So Princess and Gary, welcome to Additive Snack. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much to uh, you, Fabian. So let's start with you, Princess. You're the one that started this whole journey through a very unfortunate uh, incident. Can you take us back to the day and share what happened and what you experienced? What happened on that day, it was back in 2012. I was coming from work because I usually work late shift. So I was passing by my aunt's place to fetch uh, just a paint and deliver her, her license, her car license. So... As I was coming back to the car and almost about to leave, there were two guys who just came out of nowhere and they pointed guns at us. Um, they robbed us with everything that we had on that time, like a purse, wallets, and phones. So it was unfortunate that at the end of the event, I ended up getting shot on the face. It was so horrible. I didn't even know where the bullet came into. So I was screaming, thinking my life is going to end. I was taken to hospital. That's when I realized that I lost some a few teeth. And then after that, I was then told that, okay, I'm going to have to leave with without any teeth in my mouth. Like I was going to have only a few left, actually. So imagine back then I was still very young. I was so young, and as a young adult, you don't experience or want to experience such in your life or such drastic change in your life. So it was very traumatic and a very bad experience. The prices of implants were skyrocket. It was so high, I couldn't even afford them. So mm -hmm. that's how my life changed, basically, from that day. Yeah, horrible story. And you know, as you said... It's really hard to imagine to experience that at such a young age or at any age, really, but especially at such a young age. I'm sure that impacted your life and your aspirations and, and how you looked at it moving forward. huh? True that. I couldn't socialize with people. Smiling was something else for me. Like I couldn't. I, I hated meeting new people in my life. I hated that. Going to the malls, doing shopping like um, a normal person would do. I hated those things. Every time I would go out, I have to go with either my mom or my brother to so that they can be able to speak for me or on my behalf. Um, I didn't come to terms with the fact that um, I don't have teeth anymore. Like 
it's not nice to okay i understand that there's people who are living with disability and when you're born with it it's kind of like easier for you to accept because you're born with such mm -hmm. but if it's something that happens unexpectedly um it's not easy for you to adjust so that's how i was living my life i didn't do shopping most of the time i would wear my old clothes because i felt like my beauty was taken away from me yeah i can hardly imagine what that feels like and then can you tell us how did you get in touch or connected to gary boyson how, how did that happen gary boyson i remember the first time i met him when i was in hospital when I, i i got a phone call when i was at home and i was told that um there's people who are interested in your story um mm -hmm. at that time i had lost hope and to a point where i also wanted to take my life but then i woke up one day and received this phone call and i was told that i need to meet a certain people in the hospital how then all of the sudden get walked in he wasn't alone by then i don't remember who he came with so then they started explaining why they came to see me i cried like i cried i didn't believe that such is happening my life is going to go back to normal again after meeting this gentleman yeah i can imagine the glimmer of hope with the face of giri giri how did you hear of princess and what were your first steps that you took uh, when when you guys reached out yes i i heard of the unfortunate event that happened with princess uh, through professor kilis van den jeffer he was a uh, part of the university of pretoria and they had like a clinic there uh, where they will see patients and uh, and princess was uh, we organized that i actually flew up uh, to to see her in that was in pretoria uh, so we are based in bloemfontein in the center of the country and i met her and uh, you you will also see on the slide that i'm sharing now I, after that meeting, I actually approached EOS uh, to ask if they don't want to get involved uh, in the reconstruction uh, phase. And uh, because at that stage, I knew it's going to be a long journey uh, to actually put back the, the smile on Princess's face that she really deserved. So during the meeting at the clinic, we also did a mm -hmm. CT scan of the remaining bone of the top jaw and bottom jaw. So, as Princess explained, the bullet actually crushed the top jaw, bottom jaw, and then she was also shot through the shoulder. Wow. So, can you give us a few more insights into maybe even the history of patient-specific implants and how additive manufacturing is, in this case, revolutionizing or enhancing the field of reconstructive uh, surgery? Yes. So we started already, our center started in 1997. Uh, so that was way back. Uh, and we introduced the first uh, laser centering system into South Africa around 2000. The first EOS machine that we actually bought was around 2002. And, and with that, we started with preoperative planning models. So that was the more to have like a look and a feel of, of the cases that we uh, were doing with the surgeons to actually print beforehand and all the, the, the preoperative planning can be done before opening up the patient. And then in 2007, we were fortunate to 
with the partnership with EOS to acquire uh, the uh, machine number six uh, of EOS a beta testing system that can produce titanium. And from there, you know, our journey started with patient-specific implants. Although we had to, to do a lot of research on, with EOS and then other partners regarding, you know, the process validation, uh, mechanical testing, uh, that we are say that we are sure that the implants that we produce are are safe. Uh, we also started in 2012 with the first uh, 3D printed mm-hmm. mandible that was uh, actually implanted. So just to compare in Princess's case, uh, what was the alternative? So as she mentioned, like the bullet crushed the top jaw and maxilla, and there was not sufficient bone left. Mm -hmm. And from there, you you need to harvest bone from from the patient, uh, uh, iliac crest, uh, maybe from the hip, and then implant that and keep that bone uh, matrix then intact for a, a period of six months to, to actually grow into the remaining uh, top jaw. And we were fortunate to then design a, a titanium top jaw cage, as it's actually shown here on the screen. And that was patient-specific. It was fitting her geometry, the facial curvature, and we actually then harvested some of the bone and that was implanted uh, into patients, ach princess. And from there, you know, it was the journey started. Okay. Princess, when you first heard about this guy, Gary, who wants to 3D print and implant and help you with it, what were your thoughts? I didn't think it was possible, but however, mm-hmm. I was excited. I had to give it a shot and see if it would work. I went through a, a lot of surgeries before we could have the end results. And God, I am so grateful. And he even knows every time when I see him, I, I just feel like screaming and hugging him. That's how fond I am of him. So, yeah, first time when I saw him, yes, I was excited that it is something good is happening. There's people who, who I don't even know that wants to help me but we're mm-hmm. just sent by God and nothing else. So I was so grateful. Yeah, I can imagine. And he, he has a nice face too. It's a, a very friendly face. So Gary, can you take us through the process? From You mentioned uh, when Princess first came in, you guys took a, a CT scan. What are the steps that you have to take in order to A, manufacture a patient-specific implant, but also then obviously implant that device and go through uh, through the recovery steps. How does that work? So, as I mentioned, from the CT scan, we actually uh, used materialized software to translate the DICOM, the two-dimensional slices, into a 3D model. We had to ensure that the quality of the CT scan was very good because the detail that we needed with bone fragments that was loose, uh, still, you know, we wanted to detect that. And then we, we did the again a preoperative planning model that we printed we did sit down with the surgeon our clinical advisor is a, is also a prosthodontist and he between us as engineers and then the surgeons uh, is the link between between us and we actually then planned the surgery as well as then making a, like a we, we tried a digital model 
of her top job. But the actual what worked very good was our clinical advisor had to make a mock-up of the teeth that we wanted to, to end up with. And that mock-up was made out of wax. We reverse engineered that and then designed the titanium cage. And as you know, it's not just printing the cage or a laser melting the cage. We're also doing destructive testing on test coupons next to the part as well as non-destructive testing on the implant. We, we had to make sure, you know, that the part integrity and it was very good. And then we planned the, the surgery. We had to actually uh, buy out time of a private hospital uh, that we could actually put in the, this implant into Princess. And I still remember, you know, the day when we removed the implant, that was months after the I think it was between six to eight months. The joy also, because the joy on my side to see that the bone uh, that was harvested from her in the titanium cage actually grew very well. And, and there was enough solid bone that we could then move towards dental implants. Okay. Very interesting process chain that you just described. On the other hand, again, kind of going back onto impact, how did that implant change change your life, Princess? Where are you today and how has it reshaped the dreams that you mentioned earlier that, that you thought were, were lost? Well, I today is I went back to school because after the that whole incident I, I I did not I did not want to do anything. I was just caged up. So now I am able to go to school meetings. I am able to to go to my daughter's school meetings as well, attend any social events that I want to attend, um, go to the malls, meeting people, socialize with people, um, my career as well, trying to grow in my career. And I also was an aspiring model, and I forgot to mention that earlier on. I wanted to do modeling so bad. Um, so... That on its own, it also stopped me from pursuing my dreams. But then, even though I didn't continue with the modeling as yet, I, I know that it is there for me in the nearest future. I just want to focus on school for now and my work and growing uh, within my workplace. Yeah, great. It, it really did give you your life and possibilities and, and dreams back, huh? Correctly. Gary, I mean, so Princess is now you know, really lucky to have received uh, those implants and this procedure. But obviously there's, and you mentioned this yourself, uh, Princess, a lot of other people that still are facing challenges that could be solved through uh, reconstructive surgery or, or implants. In terms of accessibility and localized production, can additive manufacturing have an impact on the, the medical landscape in, in South Africa? Yes, definitely. I believe um, because the current situation is 95% of our medical devices in South Africa are actually imported. So mm -hmm. that makes it also, you know, costly as well as uh, it's a lengthy process to, to get a patient-specific, you know, device into the country. That can actually take maybe six weeks, even nine weeks. So being able through our, also our ISO 1345 certification that we currently have, we can offer it now to both private and then also state patients, needy patients, um, 
but uh, Fabian, I can I can tell you the need is tremendous in our country. Uh, it's not just also from violent crimes, these reconstruction surgery. It is actually also tumors. Um, so we have in the public sector, we have people walking around with these big facial tumors that need to be removed and up to seven years with such a big tumor and then a whole mandible must be actually removed. So to be able to, to offer it in South Africa is really, you know, a dream come true for us. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a mechanical engineer. I never thought I would, you know, work in a medical field, but you know, it's a blessing really to see, to change somebody's life and to improve the quality of life. And in Princess's case, you know, she she is a really brave woman that really faced a lot of challenges. And to see her smiling again was worth it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. The last question that, that I would really like to ask is beyond custom implants and beyond reconstruction surgery, especially in South Africa, do additively manufacture implants such as spinal cages or hip cups? What is the status there in the country? And can we use that technology also to possibly reduce the amount of imported implants and therefore also make these other surgeries that still impact people's lives more accessible? Yes, uh, definitely. You know, of interest is uh, we produce now more than 15,000 3D printed implants and the majority of them are are actually spinal cages, titanium spinal cages that we are printing with osseointegration structure, a very good clinical feedback. And we are actually supplying it to four companies that are now applying for FDA and CE approval that want to export. And then also something interesting is we also use the additive manufacturing and using polyamide PA2200 to print the negatives of a cranial implant and then use then bone cement to form these cranial implants in surgery. And there we benefited more than 150 patients now with cranial defects over the past two years. So we really see an uptake, although funding is a challenge in our country. And, uh, you know, from a philanthropy side, we are always reaching out both nationally and internationally. And from there, I just want to also thank, you know, companies like EOS Materialize that got involved also in this Changing Faces, Changing Lives initiative. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if you're a listener out there and you want to uh, support Gary's mission, please reach out either to us or directly to him. We'll drop a link to your guys' website, also into the show notes. Really, really awesome initiative. As we conclude this episode today, first of all, I want to thank you, Princess, for sharing your story with us. Very inspirational. And as I said in the beginning, you know, your, your story really helps also us in the industry to understand the impact of what we're working on and to hopefully scale and make this technology available to an even broader patient audience than ever before. So thank you for, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And I also appreciate, and Gary knows that how much I am very much thankful for him and the company as well. So thank you. Yeah. And thank you, uh, Gary, also from my side for sharing your story and the technology side of Princess's recovery. I think it's, it's very clear that the, 
the intersection of technology and human in this case can really create outstanding miracles and change people's lives as we heard today. So thank you both for uh, sharing your inspiring stories. Yeah, and to our listeners out there, you know, remember that innovation in additive manufacturing, as I said, is not just about the technology. It's about the lives we touch and the futures that we're shaping. So all of us can have an impact there. So subscribe to the Additive Stack podcast and share this episode with anyone you believe could find this inspiring or informative. And this has been the Additive Stack podcast. Thank you for being with us. My name is Fabian Allefeld and I'll see you next time.